Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of Break the Cycle with me, your host, Joshua Smith. I hope everyone's having a wonderful Tuesday evening. I know I am. I actually get a couple of days off work for the first time in a long time tomorrow, so I am stoked, stoked. Uh, let's, as usual, start off with some cool sponsors. Of course, we have Lorenzotti.coffee for all of your Italian coffee needs delivered directly to your door. Uh, bring the taste of Italy home. It's good stuff, man. We love it here. Uh, we appreciate Lorenzotti Coffee, and uh, it will always be a mainstay in our home. Of course, TopLobster.com uh, for all your graphic tees and hoodies and hats and coffee mugs. Uh, also, you know, stuff for your show. Uh, whatever it is you need, this man is amazing. He does everything by hand. Hand draws it. It's where you can get this awesome Epstein didn't kill himself. Bright purple hoodie. Don't miss out. And of course, Anthem Planning. Anthemplanning.com for all your emergency and crisis planning needs, whether it be for your business or personal. They're wonderful sponsors, wonderful people. Part of the Mises Caucus uh, out of Delaware. Definitely use them. They're doing a job that the government would love to do for you at a much more expensive cost. Um... Yeah, so that's the sponsors. Uh, this week I ran a contest for you guys uh, when we hit 2,000 subscribers on the YouTube. And so I want to um, announce those winners right now. But to do so, I'm going to need the absolute cutest Vanna White anybody has ever seen in their lives. Her name's Lulu. Come here, Lou. Come on. Ah, this is Lou. Say hi, Lou. Say hi. So we're going to do, we're going to pick them. I, I have everybody's name in here. We're going to pick them at random. The first two are going to be the free t-shirts, and the third one is going to be a year-long subscription to the Mug Club. All right, sweetie, you ready? Mm-hmm. All right, pick one. Just one. All right, let's see. What do we got? Okay, so the winner of the first shirt is Colin Elliott. All right, awesome. So we'll definitely, uh, after, <laughs> after this is done, I will uh, reach out to you guys to make sure that we get your size and your address. Okay, one more, sweetie. All right, the nu- the next T-shirt is oh god, it's got to be the one I can't remember how to say, uh, Mythostaphylitis. <laughs> you also win a free T-shirt, and the last one is gonna be oh oh, we dropped one. The last one's gonna be uh, one year membership to the Mug Club. That's one of the Patreon tiers, so you guys will get the mug, and you also get to be in the uh, chat for a year with all the great people in that community. You ready, sweetie? Okay, pick one. Okay, and for the one-year subscription, we have Bill Berger. All right. That was fun. Did you have fun? All right, say bye. 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 All right, sweetie. There we go. All right. Well, that was that was fun. I hope everybody uh, liked meeting Lou. Lou is a sweet, sweet girl. We call her the Sour Patch Kid in our house because first she's sour and then she's sweet. So, um, But anyways... What you guys really came here for is we have a great show for you tonight. In fact, our guest is amazing. I've been trying to get him on the show for a little bit. Uh, there's, you know, some people in the Loser Brigade who are really upset for me platforming this man. Um, but he is the host of Hotep's Been Told Ya. He's a tech entrepreneur. He's the creator of the hilarious Grifty Awards that I better get nominated for next year. And he is the man that shook every single Starbucks employee to their very core. He is Hotep Jesus. How the hell are you today, man? What's up, bro? I'm good. Thank you for having me, man. Of course, man. I'm stoked to have you. I'm stoked to have you. Um, That's what's up. Yeah, so let's, let's start out. You know, some people might, some of my viewers may not know about the Hotep movement. You know what I mean? Can you explain the Hotep movement for my audience? Um, it's a lot of history to cover. How much time we got? 
Well, uh, let's let's give the shortened version. But I mean, is it, you got well, how much time we got for the show? About an hour or so. You got as long. Doing as an hour yeah, show. A little okay. Long, a little right. longer. A little so, shorter. Don't matter. <laughs> the the to to make this easy, there's a dichotomous relationship in a black community. Uh, the conservative side of the black community, not to be confused with politics and conservatism. Uh, we used to call that like the conscious movement. We look back in history, we noticed that there was a very African-centered consciousness. If you go look at old Queen Latifah, you see she's got the African headdress on her head. If you go look at old uh, Tupac, you see him wearing a dashiki. So there was this African-centeredness. It could often be misnomer as hotep, that that what they call consciousness. Um, there were several movements that that came up over the ages. You know, you had the 5% movement by Clarence 13X. You had the Nawapians um, that came up under um, uh, Malakazi, York. Uh, of course, you got your uh, Hebrew Israelites. Um, you got your Kemetic movement. Um, you got your Nation of Islam. And there's all these different sects. But that by the black liberal has been called Hotep. Um what we're Hotep Nation is is a bit unique from some of these other movements of the past, where we mainly focus on business and entrepreneurship, uh, and that's what we like to keep our 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 sights on. Uh, as uh, our teacher Shaka Akmos would say, um, ancient Egypt, the religion was business. A lot of people think that the gods were some sort of a spiritual system, and it's fine to believe some of that stuff. Uh, but really, ancient Egypt, their religion was business. And it's quite um, ironic that he teaches that because that's exactly what we modeled Hotep Nation after. If you want more information on that, go to hotepnation.com, hit the burger menu on mobile, and you can navigate to the FAQ page. Or if you're on desktop, just go hit FAQ, and a lot of those questions are answered there. Sure, sure. So talking a little bit about business as, as a religion, uh, you're, you're really heavily into tech, and you've brought about several tech startups. What, what got you into tech and what kind of tech startups have you, have you had so far? I was born in tech. My brother was a computer scientist. Uh, he was a computer programmer. Uh, I remember the first time we had a Commodore 64 back in the early 80s. You basically had to be a programmer to get the games to load up. Um, I used to have to call my brother to have him come load the games up for me. Um, and then, you know, my dad was a, a, a tech enthusiast. You know, when when people were putting TVs in their cars, like he was one of those people who had like a navigation system custom installed in his car. When the CD burner came out, we were the first ones to have them. When the CD player first came out, we were the first ones with that. Um, we always had a state-of-the-art PC uh, when the internet became something that uh, the common consumer had. We were the first ones to adopt that. Uh, via like Netscape and AOL. I remember my dad, he uh, brought home um, the law firm in the building that he worked at, threw away like a dozens com of computers. And um, he grabbed those things out of the, the, the bin and, and brought them home and was like, hey, for every one of these you can fix, I'll sell them and give you a hundred bucks. So um, I remember they were like IBM computers and I was looking through the manual and I'd find the error codes and error code would say, hey, bad uh, motherboard or or bad uh, hard drive. So I grab a hard drive out of another one, plug it in, see if it booted up. It booted up. Cool. Awesome. Great. Let's install Windows on that thing. And then, you know, I'd get maybe out of the dozens or so that worked, I'd get maybe five or whatever working and then he'd sell them. And then my dad used to do like weird shit to like challenge me i remember um he'd be at work and somebody say i have a problem with my computer and i'd have to like i was basically like tech support every time one of his friends had com you know computer problems and i could be anywhere i could be in my friend's house he'd call me up hey walk somebody through this and i'd have to like go through memory so i've been around tech my whole life my like i said my dad was a tech enthusiast he had a great job i grew up in a six-figure household so i was born with a silver spoon in my mouth so we always had state-of-the-art stuff you know um, so yeah, you know, I've just been around tech my whole life. I didn't really like programming too much. I was more of a people person. So I got into sales and marketing and, uh, I was a, a, a loan officer for a little while, mortgage broker for a little while, um, up until the, the, the crisis hit. 
Um, but um, after the 50 Cent thing, or during, out during my uh, contract with the uh, 50 Cent company, I um, started my own marketing agency. And I noticed that a lot of the people in the CPG goods weren't looking at tech. And I was looking at the mobile app space. And I, I just kind of knew it was going to explode. So I was telling these large investors and VCs and celebrity endorsers, hey, you should drop a mobile app. We should work in a mobile app space. Nobody really got it. So I started looking for people in that space and embedded myself there. And so now, you know, I'm, I'm involved with several several different projects. Nice, man. That's great. Uh, so I've watched quite a bit of your content lately, especially, you know, leading up to this. Um, but I can't really pin down where you stand today politically. You know what I mean? I know yeah. uh, I know. at some point you, you supported Trump um, it, as far as like he wasn't – what you said that uh, – he wasn't. He wasn't there to save us. He's there to make sure we could save ourselves. Um, yeah, yeah. Make it easier to save yourself. Sure. What What is your end goal politically? I mean, what is it? Is it liberty? I mean, is that is that what you're looking to push? Like a uh, you know? um, Andrew Andrew Breitbart said, politics is downstream from culture. And Hotep Jesus says, culture is downstream from business. So if we're going to affect politics, like I said, the religion in in ancient Egypt was business, and business really dictates your politics. So. When I think about affecting the world, I, I think about affecting the world in many different psychological ways and not so much political ways. Um, I actually have no political interest at all. Um, the, the little bit I do comment on is very surface level. I wouldn't even say I understand politics. I don't. Um, I'm really more of a history buff. I really enjoy um, studying history. Um, especially European and U.S. history. Um, I actually have a book coming out soon, um, which is going to detail um, the history of this country. Um, it's going to include case laws, going to include uh, some congressional records and also some historical records from, from notable historians. So when I think about politics, I don't think about politics as it exists today. I think about politics, how it was and became what it is today. So when you understand who really controls this country and how they control this country, you don't see politics anymore. All you see is interests. So, so you know, I don't see Republicans and Democrats. I see agendas and interests. So I don't align myself with any of these things. Um, you know, I'm actually anti-statist. I don't believe in the existence of a state. I don't believe in the existence of laws. I don't believe in the existence of a government. And if there was a government, the only one I would trust is me as a dictator. <laughs> <laughs> sure, sure. That's that rugged individualism, man. Definitely. But you yeah. de you've definitely yeah. been, uh, recently especially, been really adjacent to the liberty movement. You know what I mean? I noticed that, especially talking with the, the Mises Caucus and stuff like that. Has that has working with them evolved your views at, at all? Um. I'm not, there's no working relationship. True. Uh, I will be speaking with them uh, at their event uh, in LA in, in May. Um, so I'm very interested to see how that turns out. Some of the people I meet at that event and we can see what flourishes from there. What I can say is I'm very appreciative of the Mises Institute. I'm very appreciative of the information that was um, worked on by people like uh, Murray Rothbard. In fact, in my book, I quote, um, the, the work of Murray Rothbard quite a bit uh, as, as it relates to uh, monetary, modern monetary policy and workings on uh, mechanics. Uh, Mises, Mises, I mean, when you think about the, the library of information that they hold on that website, I mean, it's just, it's really fascinating. It's really enriching. And, um, I feel like more people should really glue into the Mises Institute. Um, as far as the politics is concerned, I'm very, very much oblivious as to how they operate in the political realm. Sure, sure. So you, you mentioned Murray Rothbard. I mean, Murray Rothbard's who brought me to the ideas of liberty. I mean, there's just no doubt about it. It was, it was Ron Paul first, you know what I mean? But then Murray's the one that kind of evolved my, my thinking on how, you know, society or whatever you want to call it runs. Um, yeah. How long was the first time you picked up Murray Rothbard? And is there any other Mises scholars that you've been a fan of? Um, he's the only one I could name. I'm sure I've studied others. 
um, because I've spent so much time on that website. But he's the only one I can name. If you named another one, I could probably say I read their work. Um, but it was really Chad Lemoyne from the uh, Aqua- uh, Anarchy Aqua- Aquarian Anarchy podcast. He he brought up this whole anarchy thing, and I was initially I was um, cognitive dissonance opposed to it. And he said, just check out this book. And he passed me something from Rothbard. Uh, very short read. Um, I forget anatomy what it was called. Of, probably Anatomy of the State. There you go. Yeah, Thank yeah. you. Anatomy of the State. You know, really quick read. So I, I digested that. And I was like, yo, this is the this is exactly what I'm saying. Right. So he was like, this is anarchy. This is, you know, part of learning anarchy. And I'm like, oh, OK, I get it. Because when I think anarchy, I was thinking like the ANCOM stuff and not sure. the ANCAP stuff. But I always liked the ANCAP people. I was like, yeah, that seems cool. Like You guys seem like a cool crowd. Um, but the more I started studying the Rothbard stuff, it really clicked for me. Uh, even, um, you know, I'm into free market economics, too. So, you know, I was checking out some of um, uh, what's, what's homeboy's name. He rocked the glasses. Um, oh, Milton Friedman. Milton Friedman. Yeah, thank yeah. you. So I'm into Milton Friedman's work as well. Um, uh, Walter E. Williams, Thomas Sowell. So, you know, um, of course, you, you got to mention um, the father of the Austrian. Um, what's his name? Help me out. Which, Who's the father of Austrian economics? Which, which one are you talking about? Carl, Carl Manger? Not him. Uh, oh, man. We could just read them all off my poster up here. Yeah. Uh, you're, I mean, I mean, Mises, you know, the, Carl Manger, though, is, is probably the, the OG. Is Carl Manger? Yeah. I've read his stuff. Yes, yes, yes. I read his stuff too. He's on the Mises Institute site. But I mean, you know, I I um I enjoy learning and I would say I'm still very much in the infancy stages of understanding this whole liberty movement. Sure, sure. Um but I'm a sponge, man. I just sit down and I just read a lot. And I and and I feel bad because I don't remember the names of these people and I don't remember the stuff, but the way my memory works is when I read a document I'm reading the document to understand, and then my mind is creating solutions out of this stuff. So it's actually just expanding my thought. The information itself usually leaves me. This, the little facts usually leaves me. But what I'm left it with is a, a mind that is is tuned to a higher frequency every time I devour some of this content. Sure, sure. You mentioned Chad Lemoyne. I, I just want to give a huge shout out to Chad. He's I love Chad to death. Uh, yeah. spent, spent a lot of time with Chad. I've talked to Chad millions of times. I mean, I love the guy. He's amazing. Couldn't have a better guy to hang out with and learn that kind of stuff, man. So, um, uh, what was I going to ask? Oh, um, you got a lot of people that label you extreme, man. You know what I mean? Like these extreme views. What, yeah. what, what do you, what do you do to kind of combat that? I mean, is it even, is it even worth it for you to really, um, you know, placate that stuff or? <laughs> you know, it's funny. Um, black people used to call me extreme. Before I got into all this, you know, whatever we're in now, this this era we're in, before I even started to take an interest in economics and politics or whatever it is, um, black people would say, yo, you're so extreme. Um, you know, I used to, um, I used to target. I wouldn't say target, but I used to talk directly to black people. I wasn't doing it consciously like, hey, I got to talk to black people. It's just I was black and I was talking on black issues, especially with some of the stuff that was happening back in the day with the Mike Brown situation and Trayvon Martin situation. Um, I was putting out the information, disseminating information from Dr. Sebi, Dr. Joel Pulcrum, uh, John Henry Clark, Dr. Ben. Now I was just pushing some of the conscious information out to the community. Um, but they used to always call me extreme. So now when people call me extreme, I'm kind of used to it. It's just like, well, so like I've been called that for years. Um, really, really, when when somebody calls me extreme, I usually just take it as they're just saying I'm unique. So I don't really lend much credence to it. I just look at it as a compliment. Sure, sure. Well, uh, as you know, there's, you know, I, I'm, I sit on the Libertarian National Committee. I'm an at-large representative for the, the, the entire national party. Um, yeah. And so I deal with a lot of libertarians and, and uh there's some there's some very blue pill libertarians that want to deplatform you from from the libertarian movement. You know they don't want you to be able to speak at a Mises Caucus event and stuff like that. What do you, how, how do you feel about that? I mean, is that is that off putting for you? Does that make you want to stop your mission to to come and speak at the libertarian at a libertarian event? I mean, no, no. I've been a target my whole life. I've always thought different. 
You know, I've I've always been a type of person that I didn't I never really followed the crowd. You know, I was always like, I think this is the right way to go, and I'm gonna follow my heart. For example, I never graduated from college. Um, my my mother has a master's degree. My father's an electrical engineer. My brother uh, graduated from um, from college, and my sister's a doctor. Um, and 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 as a young kid. Um, I never really got along with, with school, mostly because I couldn't respect the teachers. I just felt like I was more intelligent than the teachers. And I'm like, if I'm running circles around a teacher and she can't answer my questions, my intelligent questions, she can't answer my intelligent questions. Like on a subconscious level, I couldn't respect a lot of adults. When I got to the college level, I was making so much money as an 18 year old, 19 year old. It just didn't make sense for me to be in college. Um, you know, and, and and my parents used to always say, hey, you know, you got to go get your college degree. And in the back of my mind, I'm like, everybody go gets a college degree goes to get a job. I'm like, I don't want to work for somebody else. I want to work for myself. And like I said, I was a, 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 a broker and a loan officer. And that was kind of like working for yourself. I mean, you had a boss, but it was performance based. And I like that. You know, it wasn't like I got paid hourly. You know, if I put in work, I got paid handsomely. You know, I'd come home with $12,000 check in one month. That was great. You know, it's 19 years old. Um, when I was 18, I was selling women's shoes at Nordstrom. I'd come home with $1,200 a week checks. That was huge back then, you know. Um, but every time somebody wanted me to go some way, I just would deviate. Like that didn't, you know, I was following my intuition, man. But I don't know. I just I don't really pay attention to, to what people say. I, I take it as I'm a marketer by trade. So when people talk, I take it as data. You know, like in marketing, we make data based decisions. So when people say things, I just take it as data. I take it as understanding the human mind. So I like the con I like the content that people give me. I like the rebuttals that people give me. I don't get lend it much credence, but I take a note of it sure. and I help it shape me as a human being. Um, I understand how people react to certain thoughts, how people react to certain facts. Uh, but nobody's going to be able to say, hey, you know, or make me feel some type of way um, when they when they act like that. I just hit the block button and go on about my day. I mean, I'm just like way too busy. to. First of all, these people aren't accomplished. If they were accomplished, they wouldn't be thinking about me. And that's the difference between an accomplished person and an accomplished person. See, an accomplished person makes makes. Um, I want to turn this into a quotable. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and. An accomplished person talks about people. Accomplished people give unaccomplished people something to talk about. Sure. Yeah. It's a great quote. <laughs> this is something I've noticed a long while ago with my naysayers. And I'd look and I'd be like, you're talking about it, but you have nothing going on. Like, where is your business? Where, what are you building? What are you, what have you created? What did you bring into this world that didn't exist prior? I run seven different corporations. You think I have time to worry about some troll on the internet? I literally don't have time to go back and forth. I've been in meetings all day. And when I'm not in meetings, I'm researching for my book. And I got three books within within three volumes to put out in three years. I don't know how I'm going to do that. But this next one is taking a, this, this first one, or I should say third one, but the first one in this historical series has taken me way longer than I expected to because I've just been digging up so much research and I want to cover all angles and provide enough evidence for, for, for the, the case I'm trying to make. But when you're writing, when you're an author and you're writing research paper, you think you got time? <laughs> and then I got the Bitcoin company, shout out to Coinbase app. I have an AI company. I'm about to sign documents with a new uh, iPhone app company in the productivity space. We run Hotep Nation. I'm also a consultant. I also teach marketing on the weekends. And we got the Jean Core project. Like, where in there is there time to worry about some dude on Twitter? Sure. Like my homie says, Hotep Jesus farts in the room and disappears. Because that's literally what I do. I come on Twitter. I see what the Hoi Poloi are talking about. I fart in the room and then I leave. <laughs> I turn the app off and then I'm like doing something productive. The only time I get on Twitter is like literally when I'm on the toilet or laying in bed or I'm at the gym. Right. Like I don't really have time to be sitting there like that or when I'm in a break or I'm, you know, like about to go take lunch or something. I don't, I don't got time for that stuff. But but, you know, I want to reiterate the quote again. Unaccomplished people talk about accomplished people 
and accomplished people give unaccomplished people something to talk about. Sure. Yeah, and I agree. I, I you know, I, I'm constantly getting the same treatment online, you know, by uh, many times by people from my own party. Uh, it just happened today. I, I put out a, a, a post on Twitter talking about my Patreon, right? Cause I, cause I want people to, um, you know, sign up for my Patreon. I got seven kids, man. You know what I mean? They all live here. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. I'm trying to do this, this podcast thing. I, I'm the only one, uh, bringing, bringing the money home from a job. I'm taking care of, I got eight dependents basically. And I'm getting called a grifter and shit. And I'm like, man, you got to get paid for the things you do. You know what I mean? That's, well, this is a job. Yeah. People don't understand how much work it is once you put that mic in front of your face. People think this is fun and games. They don't know when you put that mic in front of your face, man, and you're done, you feel exhausted. It takes a toll. Like, oh, yeah. This is work. And, and not only that, but that mic in front of you costs money. Oh, yeah. You've invested in this, yep. in this business. So, again, these are unaccomplished people who could never understand the life of an accomplished person or an entrepreneur that wants to be something. They won't. They'll say, oh, you, the guy sitting on the couch, shouldn't get paid, but yet complain about how much money CNN and the big conglomerates are making. Sure. Sure. But you don't want the little voice to have an opinion. The little voice is the more important voice is the one where you're going to get a more honest, raw opinion. You're going to get more enriching. From from an hour here with you, then you will ever get in an entire year from sitting and watching CNN. Sure. CNN is making millions of dollars, and that's cool. Right. Again, unaccomplished people, unaccomplished well, I, opinions. I agree fully, and it, you know that was kind of the some of the flack I was getting was, "Oh, you're going to platform Hotep Jesus." I'm like, "Hell yeah, I'm going to man." What are you talking about? Like, I want I want to be an honest. Think about what you just said. Right. I, w- I want to be an honest media guy. You know what I mean? Like, I, yeah. and and most of us do. I mean, most of us that you know have these little shows want to be honest. We want to put out an honest dialogue and an honest narrative. We're not trying to push uh, a corporate backed narrative from one of these big mainstream media outlets. You know what I mean? But but think about what you just said. You're going to platform Hotep Jesus, right? What does that even mean? Right. You're going to platform me. I have my own platform. Right. Nobody can platform me. Right. Except for Joe Rogan. <laughs> yeah, of course. Well, you're probably platforming me more than I'm platforming you. I mean, just to be honest, you know what I mean? Tim Pool, right? Yeah. Like, you'd have to be huge to platform me, right? So when they say, oh, you're going to platform Hotep Jesus, no. These are two individuals having a conversation over this internet medium. This whole idea of platforming, they should have never gave these people a dictionary. (laughs) Absolutely. Totally, man. Uh, And they certainly aren't getting any money. That's the thing. I think some of this is bred out of like a jealousy thing. You know what I mean? Where's their platform? Yeah. Yeah, build one. They don't. The people who complain about who's being platformed have no platform. <laughs> it's true. It's true. It's damn. Because if they had a platform, they wouldn't be worried about yours. They platform the people that they want. Hi, kids. Do you like violence? Yeah. Are you sick to death of pussyfooting around the truth while being constantly fed lies by news and big tech tyrants? If so, then come join me, Dan Smots, on the System Is Down, where we get weird, have fun, and dig into all the dangerous taboo topics like conspiracies, politics, religion, culture, current events, and everything your family just prays you don't bring up around the Thanksgiving dinner table. And I know that reality is scary to some people, so if you're easily offended, just ignore this and go back to making cat memes or whatever. But if you're ready to change the world for the better, come join me on The System Is Down at tsidpod.com or wherever you get podcasts. That's tsidpod. Com because the system is down and truth is taking over. Sure. Again, unaccomplished people. Yep. Absolutely. So, um, but anyways, you, uh, you, you brought up Thomas Sal, who is amazing. Right. And, and you yeah. have, and you have, uh, you have, there's, there's a lot of great black voices in the Liberty movement, right? You, mm-hmm. uh, we got Eric July, July. Mosh Ray. And it seems like, you know, the, the Democrats, especially, and a lot of these hardcore leftists will shout you guys down and try to become the savior of the black community. Now, I'm, I'm, mm. from, I'm from the Oakland area, right? And, and as a libertarian, I've been a part of a movement that has been historically very, I mean, just white. You know what I mean? It's like a lot of white males. I mean, it really is. And it's because we've let the the Democrats run off of the narrative that they're these great saviors. I and mean, they're mostly middle class white people too, you know, middle to upper class white people saying they're the saviors of the black community. Um, 
how do we change that narrative? I mean, is, do you have do you have ideas on how to change that narrative in America? No, not at all. You don't. You don't. You don't. You don't change people. You don't. You don't. You don't. You don't. See, here's the funny thing. There's a battle over the uh, the the uh, the silent majority, and and that's what that's what that's the mind I target. The white liberals, uh, again, when we go and look back in history, we understand the origins of their agenda. Once you understand the origins of your agenda, you understand that they're not going to move from that platform. They're not going to move. It is if they moved, that would destabilize their power. They need to present themselves as savior so they can get a budget. True. That's the whole point of government. Create a problem, create a fake solution, rinse and repeat. So they have to act a certain way. I don't I don't try to combat the Democrat liberal narrative. Instead, I just make fun of it. And then people in the middle or right, wherever they stand or left, have no choice but to question, why is he mocking these people? And then once you come into my world, I release you from the chains of all of this political nonsense and take you to another world. Sure. You see, when we think about change, I said that everything was downstream from business. So when I go to Internet, I go to Internet to play. I don't go in the Internet. I don't take that stuff serious. What I take serious is the fact that I'm building multi-million dollar, multi-billion dollar corporations. In fact, my two major tech startups are both multi-million dollar corporations currently. Currently. The next step is $10 million corporation, then $100 million corporation, then billion dollar corporation. We're, we're only less than 10 years away from this happening. If I wanted to be frank, five years away from this happening. With that type of capital at my disposal, there's a lot of good things I can make happen out here. And I'm not, I gotta be frank, I'm not gonna be doing that stuff politically. I'm going to help kids. <laughs> True. Right? Like, like, I wanna set up programs for kids and just say, hey, you guys wanna learn tech? I'm gonna set up a program, I'm gonna find a fun way to teach uh, impoverished kids tech. White, black, whoever, True. I don't care, Hispanic. Asian, whatever. If you're impoverished, I want to help lift you up. You want to learn, I want to help lift you up. You know, and that's starting at like the kindergarten level. I want to teach economics. I want to teach finance and teach people you can keep your job at Walmart. I'm going to show you how to retire in 10 years with your Walmart salary by investing. You know, I just want to help people at the individual level. All this other stuff, I have no desire to be involved in it. I have no desire to put my money towards it at that at that level. Um, I might support a politician here or there, right? If I see somebody doing something, like, you know, like Maj Toure, if he's running, yeah, I'll throw some support his way. Or my guy, Tony Montaga in, in, in New York, I'll throw some money his way. But from what I've seen historically, I have no desire to get involved in things politically in this country. It's too dangerous. Sure, sure. We talk a little bit about uh, tech some more. We uh, we have a uh, chat question. Um, they want to know how do you it's sound the battle cry? How do you see the race to build alternative tech infrastructure to combat big tech playing out? There's going to be uh, two worlds. This world will be, will be bifurcated. You're going to have all you got to do is watch the movie Demolition Man to get an idea. It's a euphemism for the two worlds that will be created. You'll have the mainstream and you'll have the underground. And these two different areas of tech will coexist just like they coexist now online. The right will say, how come the media isn't talking about this? How come that there will be certain things in life that will be hidden and will only exist in a cryptic manner in a crypto world? And I'm not talking cryptocurrency. Cryptocurrency is just a branch of the crypto tree because there will be uh, cryptographic um, messaging 
uh, cryptographic internet. Like everything's gonna go crypto, right? Everything is in, in the in the in the in the in the underground will be decentralized, right? So there's gonna be two worlds. You'll have some people who will bounce in between the two. You have some people who will be mainstream. You have some people who will be exclusively underground. And and that's just how life will be. I mean, that's how life has always been. It's just going to become more tech savvy with it. Um, you know, in order to exist, in order to exist, I would say, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 years from now, in order to exist as, I would say, an outlier or a right winger, you would have to be tech savvy because you will not be able to live your life free. You will be under the thumb of the mainstream and whatever they desire. You will have to have their microchip and their phones. You'll have, you'll have, you know, the average person will know how to hack a phone. True. Pull chips out of it. The average person will know how to, you know, um, uh, jailbreak the microchip on a human being, right? You'll have these type of thing, things happening. This is what the future is going to behold. But you'll have this this jailbroken society, um, and then you'll have the mainstream, which will be tapped into that frequency. Sure. Yeah, are you are you familiar at all with uh, Ross Ulbricht and Silk Road and that kind of stuff that happened uh, several years ago? Yeah, Ross Ulbricht, yeah, they locked them up. Yeah, they locked them up for creating a, a basically, a, at the time, Silk Road wasn't decentralized, but it was a, a deep web uh, basically trading site where you could use crypto to trade things. They they made an example of the guy. They dragged him right. through court. It was horrible. But as soon right. as that happened and that, you know, that case got closed, 20 new Silk Roads popped up and they were all decentralized. There was no one they could yeah. blame it on. I mean, you're, right. you're what you're saying is, is, is happening already. I mean, that's literally right. what it is. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, like I said, we are living it. We're just... We don't even see it because we're living it. It's like you can have a box, but if you're inside the box, you don't know what the box looks like till you step outside of the box. Sure. Then you can take a look at the box. You can look at the outside, the bottom, the top, the inside. But when you're inside the box, you can't see the box. We're inside the box, so therefore we can't see the box. We'd have to remove ourselves on a conscious level and a subconscious level and that's a whole nother story. Um, <laughs> but we'd have to remove ourselves. Now, it's funny because I saw it the other day. I was riding down the street and I saw a sign and it said um, something about social distancing. Right. On on some I think it might have been a fast food sign. And it hit me. Ah, we're already in the dystopian future. True. When I saw that, it just hit me. I'm like, we're already here. Well, we're talking about stuff like that. Yeah. Well, we're talking about dystopian future and we just got hit with uh, the Pentagon has created a microchip that they can put underneath your skin for uh, testing you tracking, um, tracking COVID in in your body. How how do you feel about this whole COVID debacle, man? I mean, it's been a mess from day one. I mean, and it just started out as just two weeks to flatten the curve. And now it's uh, just get the microchip so you can go to the grocery store, man. I mean, the, 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 the dominoes have really just kept falling this whole time, man. Uh, Trump. It's Trump's fault. True. Trump changed the trajectory of this timeline that we're living in. He woke up a part of America, the establishment, never wanted waking up, woken up. They never wanted those people to wake up. And those people woke up. They demonstrated. They showed up as we saw in the 6th. And something had to be done. They had to find a way to accelerate the control plan. And that's what that was. It was the accelerant. The pandemic was the accelerant to the control plan. It was an accelerant for communism. They said, oh, these people got out of hand. We're going to have to reel this in really fast. And you saw some of this stuff was planned. Like we saw Event 201. So this stuff was already... They had created programs for this stuff. So it's just a matter of when, when they were going to execute because they had already drawn up the plans for how they would execute this stuff. Uh, but I mean, when you study stuff like, um, uh, what's my guy's name? William Cooper or Alex Jones. Um, 
you knew this stuff was coming. Alex Jones been told you. Sure. They were going to have the microchip, the micro plant. I mean, we knew about the RFID implant chip. Um, we knew about nanotechnology years ago. Um, you know, we knew we knew DARPA was the leading tech entity in the United States and potentially the world. Um, so, you know, we know there was a um, a crypto. Was it blockchain? This is the I'll tell you the patent number right now. But Bill Gates and them. Had a, a patent. And I want to make sure I get this right for the people who never heard of this, because I know your audience probably did hear this. Uh, where is it? Uh, here it is. Um, oh no, that's the that's the uh, other vaccine. Where is it? Uh, but he had a patent for for a chip, a chip. Or, or, or putting us on the blockchain, putting humans on the blockchain. Oh, here it is. Patent cryptocurrency system using body activity data. This is W-O-2020-06-06-A-1. And it's got that 666 code in there. This is a, a patent from Microsoft. And this was for a cryptocurrency system using body activity data. Um, then you had Profusa, had a biosensor nanotech the size of a grain of rice. Um, this stuff has been developed um, for a long time. Uh, we know we had Dr. Fausti, uh, 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 who was part of the Gates Foundation leadership team, who said at Georgetown University in 2017 there will be a surprise outbreak. Oh yeah, this stuff yeah. was in. Yeah, this stuff. This stuff was in. It was written. Uh, was written by the NWO a long time ago, man. Yeah. So, but again, I think a lot of it that triggered it was Trump. They're like, yo, these people get out of hand. How do we grab that control? Sure, sure. And I, I've been a, you know, a proponent of saying that the, uh, the federal government only exists to grow its power over each individual's life. I mean, that's really the, I mean, it, no one could ever give me any kind of argument as to what they do that actually helps us. I mean, countless wars, locking people in violent rape cages for victimless crimes. I mean, take your money. It's they only exist to grow their power. So, yeah, I could totally see how getting out of hand they might they might have to come up with something cuz there's a lot more of us than there are of them. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um somebody in the in the uh chat asked how has the ideologies of Ali Shakur shaped the ideologies of Hotep Jesus? Mm. Mm. Um, I was very young in the mind. I was very unstudied. I was very much in the matrix and not a watcher of the matrix. Um, without that phase, I wouldn't be where I am now. I think in that phase is where I released a lot of hate especially for white people. I had a lot of hate for white people in my blood. And in that phase, it, I, I released a lot of that through spirituality, um, through finding the oneness of all of humanity. Um, but yeah, you know, uh, I'm just, uh, I think when, you, you know, I just turned 40 last year. So I think when you get older, you just get, you naturally get wiser and you start understanding this world and how it operates. Ali Shakur thought he understood how this world operates. And now Hotep Jesus is in a place where he's still understanding how this world operates. True. You see, Ali Shakur was thought he knew it. Hotep Jesus knows he knows nothing. Sure. Absolutely. Uh, let's see. Oh, I was going to ask you. So, some of your extreme views. One of one of the extreme views was uh, this um, this this view you had on marriage that might make some people uncomfortable. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? What? What was? Which one? The, the one where uh, 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 men should could take multiple wives or something like that. Was that? Was that what you were saying? Oh, oh. As a as uh, a. Well, which angle are we going with? Because I got a whole bunch of angles on that. Oh well, I don't know. Name one, man. <laughs> well, it, it it comes down to biology. When a woman's pregnant, she can't get pregnant again, right? But a man can impregnate many women. So biologically, it just makes sense that we can go around spreading our seed. Right? That's just from a biological level. Um, but also, 
it also comes down to the burden of man, right? Roller Tomasi called the burden of performance. Um, I, I think it's a gift. I don't think it's a burden at all. I think it's a gift. You see, there's another quote that says, um, a woman is born, but a man is made. A woman can, if a woman's broke, people feel sorry for her. If a man's broke, people wonder what's wrong with him. Which means that the responsibility of production is on us. Well, if the responsibility of production is on us, we should be handsomely rewarded <laughs> if we're creating this world. And and really, man creates this world for woman to enjoy. Uh, I think the the power of a man um, is is partly displayed by how many women he can satisfy. Also, the procreation aspect of a man leaving a legacy behind. Every man wants to leave a legacy. We we noticed that sometimes in the past, kings, he'd he'd wed a woman, she'd give him a daughter. He'd wed a woman, give him even had some kings, he'd wed a daughter, he'd kill a mother, right? You do stupid shit like that. Until he had his son, right? And sometimes his son came out of hemophiliac or something like that. And he's like, damn, he's defective. But for a man, it's about his legacy when he leaves this earth. And and what I feel is that it'd be a, a great thing to have multiple pregnant women at the same time. And, 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 and when we think about how you change the world, you change the world through, through the birth of children, through having intelligent and understanding children. And women are just play a part in that. But I, again, the, 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 the measure of a man's power, a measure of a man's respect the measure of a man's success can partly be measured by how many women he can satisfy. Yeah, it might make some people upset to hear that, man. <laughs> well, everything I say makes people upset. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't care, man. I thought, you know, hey, everyone has to have their own opinions on things, man. You know what I mean? If it wouldn't be, we wouldn't be working towards freedom if if people weren't allowed to have their their own opinions. But um, uh. So one of one of our uh, favorite guests who was actually on with me last week wants to know what your favorite <laughs> Bert Grimm or Neocon Remover on Twitter wants to know what your favorite white racial slur is. <laughs> oh yeah, I saw that. Um I mean, you got to go with the old classic Peckerwood. Oh yeah, yeah. You know. But there's like groups, there's like groups of white dudes that literally call themselves Peckerwoods though. I mean, that's not really a slur to these guys anymore. Man. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? But uh, but Chockroach. I I saw partial to Chockroach. I saw that. I'm a big <laughs> fan. I'm a big fan of that and Yogurt Yeti. I think those are my two favorite for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know, I, I don't even I don't even deal in that language. You know, even even when I talk to the kids, you know, we 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 try to speak great about people. Sure all races of people. We try not to talk down on people. We talk about race and the difference between the races, but we try to do it from a place of respect and understanding because you can miss out on a lot of good people by trying to discriminate based upon race. Sure. Yeah. And that's, you know, um, I, I earlier you said that, um, you kind of used to have this, this, uh, hate in your heart for, for whites, especially, but, um, I mean, is do you have that for any other uh, races or religions or anything like that anymore? Is that all something that you've totally put behind you? I hate everybody equally. <laughs> yes, me too. <laughs> you know, um, I'm a racist, you know, and everybody's really a racist for the most part. Um, a racist is just someone who cares about their own interests. If I care about the interest of the black race, I'm a racist because I'm making my decisions based upon race. If you make your decisions based upon the interest of the whites, you're a racist. You're making interest based upon the white interest. And I don't see anything wrong with that. In fact, we had uh, Marcus Garvey sat down with the KKK and came to some some conclusions. Right. Um, and so on and so forth, you know, but um to be to, to answer it honestly, to hate only destroys oneself. I no longer have hate for any group of people. I simply have an understanding of the world and groups of people. True. I understand the power dynamics of groups of people and how that changes based upon 
geographics. White man go up in uh, wrong parts of Nigeria. Ain't no white privilege there. (laughs) So things change based upon where you are. Certain white men can't walk up into certain parts of Russia. You know, so um, I just I think what it is, is there's a lot of history that shaped this world. And the more I dig into it, the more I realize that there's no reason to hate any group of people. Everybody's just fighting for their own interests, which makes me say, where's my empire? I need more people hating my empire. Sure. Sure. Yeah. And there's some, uh, there's definitely some secluded islands that as a missionary, you probably don't want to end up at. (laughs) Right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, so a lot of stuff is based upon where you are. Um, and there's, there's, there's power dynamics, especially within the United States of America. And, and, and I respect power. Some people say, oh, this system's screwed up. No, there's nothing wrong with this system. It's just that the people aren't intelligent enough to manipulate it like the people in power do. Because the system was created very much open-ended. And you can see that by how people decide to contort and interpret the Constitution. We could look at the same amendment and everybody pulls out that same word. Implied. Implied. Implied where and how? How did you, your own bias, is what's adding these implications. The system wasn't exactly designed poorly. It was designed for the intellectual. It just so happens that most people aren't intellectual, so most people get oppressed by the system. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree. I'm definitely not an intellectual, but... You know, I, I try to act like one on my on my internet show as much as possible. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm a I'm a blue collar working class guy in, in this country. You know what I mean? That's what I've been doing most of my life. But I I, I read a lot too. You know, and I and I, I do a lot of research and stuff on YouTube. And um, you know, it's pretty much how I've learned my trade. Was uh, wow. people are like, hey man, can you do this side work? And I'm like, yeah. And I go home and I watch a couple YouTube videos and I show <laughs> you know, and I I do yeah, it. Yeah. So. Um, so, you know, you and I could go, go, go into the courtroom, right? Sure. And you might not be educated on case law. I might have a suitcase full of case law. You, me and you got the same crime on the docket. I walk out, you get convicted. True. You didn't get convicted because you're more guilty than I am. It's just that I understand the system and the system's based upon case law. At any given moment, People in the United States of America completely changed the system. If they just got off of Twitter and picked up some case law, rallied together, and walked down to the county court or the town court or the state court and say, hey, dog, mm-mm, mm-mm. there's too many precedents here. So many precedents in the past. We got to start repealing some of this legislation and went down the line. But we're distracted by the uh, bread and circus. Sure, sure. There's yeah. a lot of people like the Amish. They're not subject to the jurisdiction of the United States of America. Why? It's an intellectual people. <laughs> yeah. And blue collar. You have too. you have <laughs> you have you have the Hasidic community in, in New York City, Brooklyn. They have their own court system. Separate from the jurisdiction of the court system of the New York City. Um uh, city from from New York City uh, court system, right? Sure. Why? How? Intellectual intellectualism. You gotta respect that. At any given time, you can have sovereignty in this country if you organized. People don't organize. The Hasidic community organizes. Yep. They do. How you gonna be mad at the people who organize? You can't be mad at them. Only thing you can do is learn from them sure yeah i agree i agree i i wish more people would organize around nullification especially jury nullification you know you you know that's that's a really cool thing if you really think about it that you know a lot of these trials they go to a a jury of your you know quote unquote peers 
they're not really your peers. You know what I mean? These people don't know you from Adam. They don't care about you. Um, so, so organize around, uh, uh, jury nullification would be a good thing for a lot of people in this country, but they got to read about it and it takes some, some intellectual, uh, prowess to understand what jury nullification is. That's why people like Michael Bolden from the 10th amendment center are so important. I don't know if you're familiar with Michael Bolden. He'll be on my show next Friday. He's he's pretty awesome, but, uh, okay, I'm gonna check him out. Yeah, dude. He's, he's cool. He's probably, you guys could have some great talks. He's also like the, one of the nicest guys in the world too. So. Um, okay. but, he, but he's pretty badass, definitely. Let's see. Is there any more uh, questions in here? Don't, don't. Uh, oh, how does Hotep Jesus – this is from Top Lobster, by the way. How does Hotep Jesus feel about Steve Bannon and his understanding on how to manipulate power? I don't know anything about Steve Bannon. Nothing. Huh, well. <laughs> you know, nothing, like literally nothing. Um, a lot of people come to me and they, they ask me a lot of questions about the present. I don't pay attention to the present much. Outside of my own affairs, sure. I mostly pay attention to the history. I do a lot of historical study um, in, in certain specific areas, and I'm still got a lot of long way to go. But before I pay attention to the now, I'm trying to catch up on what I don't know about U.S. history. There's so much I don't know. And I want to study every single phase until I'm an expert on the history of America. And then I'll come back and study all these people of the now. But when it comes to manipulating power, I'm very familiar with manipulating power. And I think it's a beautiful thing. True. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, and the fact, only thing that exists in the world is energy and power. Sure. Well, and somebody, a uh, good friend of mine, Stephen Akela, gave me a book called The 27 Laws of Power. I don't know if you are familiar with that book or not. But it's it's basically a book on why that's what you're saying right now is so important. Being able to manipulate power and and uh, it's not like it's not like I need to I need to hold power over the next person. But it's important to have power over your own life and your own direction in life. And um, being able to manipulate that power structure really helps you in your individual quest for sure. Yeah, definitely, yeah. definitely, yeah, absolutely. Well, shoot, man, that's pretty much all I got for you. You, uh, you want to tell all these great people where they can find you? Since probably most of them are from your platform, anyways. To be honest with you, <laughs> hotepjesus.com. dot com. Um, I have, uh, I'm an author. I have uh, the first book I wrote is my avant garde work, my magnum opus. Dominate Twitter. This is my um, over two decades of understanding marketing. I had, a, I had a psychologist reach out to me once. He said, man, I wish I had this book when I was 20. He said he bought Twitter courses, all the popular Twitter courses, all the popular Twitter books. He said, my little guide of 100 pages was the best thing he ever read on marketing. Uh, he, what the word he used was he said it was very meta. And what I deal with is um, mostly branding. People confuse branding and marketing, right? Um, and without branding, marketing is very fleeting. But this gives you the staying power. Branding gives you the staying power. That's why Hotep Nation has a staying power, because we've created a brand. Uh, but yeah, I've, I've dumped all of my, my life work into that document. Um, and I teach it on Saturdays at the Mogul Summit. Um, both of those things you can access. Uh, at um, I think the Mogul Summit is probably like 400 bucks a month now. Uh, we meet every uh, Saturday. Um, I actually don't encourage people to sign up because I really don't want it to be too packed. But if people want to sign up, that's fine. Um, you, you'll never really see me push it. It's really very much an exclusive group of people that I enjoy helping. Um, and then my second book, The Unbreakable Rules of Masculinity. Um, some people thought that I wrote it, you know, because it was trendy right now. And really, it wasn't that um I had intended on writing a book on male-female dynamics, but I said um, I would be a fraud if I did so without having a good relationship with my now fiance. And I wanted to make sure I understood how to get that situation under control. Um, and then once I understood how I got that situation under control, I could, you know, pass that knowledge on to the next, onto the next guy. So then once I got got her under control, I'm like. Oh, this thing is really about stoicism. So then I teach men how to build, how to build yourself to be a stoic man and some of the rules. That's the unbreakable rules of masculinity and all those available at um, hotepjesus.com. Nice, nice. Yeah, absolutely. I also just got fiancéed up, man. So (laughs) congratulations to you. 
Dope, dope. Yeah, yeah. hell yeah. Well, we got we got seven man. kids, man. They gotta have, they gotta have married parents at this point. I think you know what I mean. I think it's important. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, um, I mostly got married because she was um or, or got engaged because societal pressure. Sure. Upon her, you know, people looking at her kind of funny, and I didn't want people looking at her funny. You know, family members, so on and so forth. I just didn't. I didn't like how people looked at her. So you know, I did that. I did it for her. You know, I, 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 again, I'm against the state. So obviously I don't believe in the idea of marriage because of the state interference of it all. Um, but yeah, I think it's a beautiful thing to have that, that discipline, right? Discipline with one woman. It's a beautiful thing to build, you know? Um, I agree. Yeah. Congratulations, man. Thanks, man. Children are beautiful. Yeah. I'm not a big, I'm not a big fan of state. Uh, permission for for being wed either you know what I mean but uh, the tax breaks are nice and being able to buy a house together are pretty important too and unfortunately they've they've pressured us into a society where we have to do we have to get married to do those things you know what I mean so together at least yeah you have some groups of people who manipulate that system too yeah Oh yeah. Oh yeah. No doubt. No doubt about it, man. Hey, well, Hey, I really appreciate you coming on, man. It's definitely, I'm I'm hoping to get that Hotep Jesus uh, bump. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. I hope it comes, man. I hope it comes. Pause no homo. Yeah. (laughs) Well, sick brother. Hey, I really appreciate you coming on, man. Uh, I will definitely talk to you soon. All right. Pleasure, man. All right, brother. All right. What another great episode of Break Cycle. Hotep's pretty cool, man. Uh, I, I'm glad I finally got a, a chance to sit down and talk with him. Uh, he's definitely not the big, bad boogeyman that I keep hearing so uh, repeatedly around some of the loser brigade circles. Uh, he seems like a pretty good guy. Um, yeah. Thank you guys for hanging around late on a Tuesday night. I know it, I know it's late. It's a later show. It's the only time I could get Hotep Jesus on the show, so we made some accommodations. A special Tuesday at 9 o'clock. Corn Central Time, I like to call it, or Corn Standard Time, since I live in the cornfields. Um, but definitely check out our sponsors, Lorenzotti.coffee, for all your Italian coffee needs delivered directly to your door bring the taste of italy home it is delicious delicious stuff um if you use btc at checkout you'll get a 10 percent discount uh trust me this is the best coffee i've ever had it beats your casey's coffee from the corner i promise uh toplobster.com for all your great graphic needs uh it's also where you can get this great epstein didn't kill himself bright purple hoodie um he also helps out on my podcast he does all those great thumbnails he draws everything by hand on a digital pad. He is an amazing person, an amazing guy, and I'm glad to call him friend and not just sponsor. But you can also go to toplobster.com, use BTC at checkout to get a 10% discount on any of the amazing clothes he has there. And of course, anthemplanning.com uh, for all your emergency and crisis planning needs. Uh, I will have the owner of anthemplanning.com on the show uh, tomorrow, tomorrow, I believe. Let's see. Yes. Amy Lapore. I think I'm saying that right. God, I hope I'm saying that right. She's an executive producer on the show. Her and her husband, Griff, both. Um, she's the owner of Anthem planning. It's going to be an awesome, awesome show. We're going to talk about how terrible the, uh, the government is at emergency and crisis planning. And then of course on Friday, we will have uh 2020 vice presidential candidate, um, and boog boy, uh, uh, hero, Spike Cohen, that's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, We don't know if he's going to have his shirt on or off, so you'll have to show up for the episode to find out. And then just added, coming uh, next Tuesday night, we're going to have Ace Arcist on the show. Um, Fortunately, it will only be audio uh, for his end, but if you haven't been following Ace underscore Arcist on Twitter, he's amazing. One of the best uh, anti-war voices He's a, a wonderful person. They just started a uh, podcast as well called Slurp Gang. It is amazing. We have a bunch of other great guests coming up in the future. S- most of them are on here. Some of them are not. I've started doing a lot more shows than I thought I was going to uh, when we made this graphic. So, we, But we do have next uh, next Friday coming up, Michael Bolden, Phil Labonte, uh, the lead singer of All Their Mains, uh, Patrick Smith um, from AnarchoCast, uh, Monica Perez, Zuby is going to be coming on in May, JJ Boogie, uh, guitarist from Arrested Development, Adam Kokesh, Kylie McGillicuddy, and Josh Shibulski from the Great White North, who wrote a wonderful book uh, uh, called Second Story Work that I'm still trying to get through so that I can say that I read it before he comes on my show. I got a little while. Um, but yeah, guys, I guess uh, that's it. And I will definitely see you tomorrow uh, for our show with Amy Lapore. But until then... Don't forget to break the cycle.
just have to explain The lyrics of my last song may seem to contain A violent call to action in the verse in the frame But I just landed in Minecraft The helicopter part was in reference to GTA 5 and the things you do So any violence you commit, I am not an excuse Because I just landed in Minecraft But Chipper is my friend and he's constantly cold Accusations of incitement getting totally old Make your own choices, yeah, you have control Because I just landed in Minecraft Obviously I would never advocate force Unless it's due process and a trial, of course And if you're convicted, we will make you a corpse In Minecraft, just in Minecraft There's nothing I mean, you know it Don't try to finish, cause it closed your COVID 